Dear M, you did a live in that crazy thing called life last night about how your bad day and your healing isn't linear. Oh no, sorry, I misread that. Let me start that again. <laughs> Dear M, you did a live in that crazy thing called life last night about your bad day and how healing isn't linear. Can you speak to that same... Oh my God, what's wrong with me? Right, let me start that again. I mean, are you enjoying this? This is great content, right? <laughs> Dear M, you did a live in that crazy thing. Bless you, Theodore. This time. Come on. This time. Dear M, you did a live in that crazy thing called life last night about how your bat about. <laughs> Why can't I do the speaking, Theodore? What's going on? Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast, where we explore how we can better understand our thoughts, feelings and actions, change our results and feel less alone as we navigate that crazy thing called life. My name is Emily Chabourne and I am a mindset coach and I recorded this episode live in my free Facebook group, That Crazy Thing Called Life. If you're not a member yet, head to the show notes to join this epic community of over 3,000 people and you'll be able to join me live next week as I record the next episode of Unashamedly Human, the podcast. Dear Em, you did a live in that crazy thing called life last night about your bad day and how healing isn't linear. Can you speak to that some more, please? I'd love a podcast episode on it. All right, so yesterday I did, I had a really bad day. And when I say bad day, I mean like I was just plagued with my own insecurities. I had something that was triggered as a result of really low attendance on a free training that I did. So normally when I run free trainings, I get over a hundred people online. And with this one, I did it on a Monday night, which is the first time I've ever done a, an early week evening training before. Normally I do them on the weekends. And I got low numbers registering and then really low numbers of people actually turning up online. And then on Tuesday, I had such a busy, busy day that I didn't really think about it. And I hadn't actually really analyzed the numbers. So I knew that there was low attendance, but I hadn't really looked at the numbers that well, like in detail. And then yesterday on Wednesday, I sat down and I really looked at the numbers and it really triggered all of these insecurities in me and all of these worries and all of these doubts and all of these voices in my head started going on about like, you're really shit at business. No one cares about what you've got to say. No one's really interested. You should stop doing this now. You're a loser. People are laughing at you. And intellectually, I knew that these thoughts that I was having were not true. And even if they were true in some capacity, there weren't thoughts that I was willing to believe. But that didn't stop them coming up. Now, in my early days in business, these thoughts were my predominant thoughts and they led my behavior. As a result, I procrastinated a lot and I did very little in my business. And so it took me, I mean, there are people in business in the same sort of business that I'm in that have done, created more revenue, and reached more clients and created more products and written books. And they've done it in like two years and it's taken me five years to get to where I am. And there is no race. There's no, you need to be here by a certain time, but it has, it's taken me a bit longer than most because 
I just had to really battle through those insecurities and those worries and those doubts and those belief systems that were so entrenched in my neurology that I genuinely believed them. And when you genuinely believe your belief system, when you really, you know, integrate yourself into that sort of paradigm, you become that person and then you generate those results for yourself and your manifestations. Whatever you believe you will be and whatever you are, you will create. And so it took me a really long time to unpick that. Then on Wednesday, yesterday, all of these insecurities came back up. It was like, it was like being in my first year of business again. That's how it felt, that level of underlying terror and worry and doubt and not believing in myself. And it was a foreign, but now it's a foreign feeling for me because I've spent so many years reprogramming that. And so it was quite a shock to be like, oh God, where's this extreme doubt come from? From one trigger. Now, logically, logically and intellectually, I know that I can list out all of the reasons that attendance was low on Monday night. I know there's some energetic stuff going on for me. I know I did something different in the five-day free course in the lead-up to that free workshop. And I knew it was a risk doing it and I did it anyway. And now this is the result of that risk, all good. You can't cry over what is, you have to, you know, in this particular instance, sometimes it's really important to cry over what was, but you know, you just have to get on with it. Like I tried that, it didn't work. Okay, I won't do it again. I also know that it was the first time I've ever done a webinar on a Monday night before. So there were all sorts of logical reasons. And I also know that low attendance doesn't mean I'm terrible at business. It happens. But even though I knew that intellectually, it triggered all of this stuff that I thought I'd dealt with, that I thought I'd resolved, that I thought was gone from me. Then as I kind of moved throughout my day yesterday, even though intellectually I'm saying to myself, that's not true, I'm refusing to believe that, you know, that thought that I'm having is not a true thought. It is a story that I'm telling myself and I refuse to attach to it. I refuse to involve myself in it. Then throughout the day, a couple of other things happened. The first was grief. So my mum died about three and a half years ago. And grief, I have come to learn, is very rarely a standalone emotion. Now, I have days when I really miss the physical human presence of my mum being here. And in those times, grief in a weird way, although it feels really fucking gross, it's much easier to deal with because it's like the emotion I'm having right now is directly related to the experience of not having my mum physically on the planet with me anymore. And I understand that, it's logical. And so I'm gonna cry and I'm gonna have a tantrum and I'm gonna feel like it's unfair and I'm gonna be quite angry and I'm gonna sit in a pool of my own tears and my own snot and I'm gonna stay here until I've cried it out. And as, as I said, as gross as that is, as a feeling, it's logical and it makes sense. Grief becomes much more insidious when you begin to understand that it is predominantly 
an emotion that piggybacks onto other emotions. It kind of like joy rides and it comes to you like in the backpack of a different emotion. What I mean by that is you can be dealing with something like an insecurity that's come up or a bad day or a no or a failure or a rejection. And all of a sudden you become aware of this echo or of this shadow of a darker feeling that is attached to it. And it's grief. And so grief kind of creeps its way into your life in all of these quite nuanced ways. And it can be really hard to untangle what emotion you're feeling. I have this book by Mark Nepo and every day there is a passage in it that you read. And I was reading yesterday's passage in the bay window here in my flat and the bookmark that I use for this book is a picture of me and my mum from when I was really young I was about six or seven and I'm holding on to her tight and we're both laughing and it's a candid shot and it's beautiful and you know when you use something day in day out and you you forget to see it and I use this bookmark day in day out because I read a passage of this book every single day and so I hadn't really seen it for a while even though I've been using it every day if that makes sense And I just looked at this photo and I realized that so much of my insecurity that I was feeling was also being heightened and amplified by grief. And then I had this ridiculous thought, which was, oh, for fuck's sake, Emily, it's been three and a half years, (laughs) right? I then shamed myself for still having grief. And I have found grief. I mean, they say that time is a great healer and I, and I understand that to be true, but I have found with grief that actually for me, it is getting more and more acute for me as the years go on, weirdly enough. And so then I had to deal with like, Hey, um, grief isn't linear. You'd every day doesn't get a little bit better. That's not how it works. It really doesn't work that way. Grief is an emotion that is like the tide. Sometimes it's high, sometimes it's low, but it's always fucking there. Then the third thing that happened was I was walking the dog around the canal and I walked past someone that smelt like one of my exes and all this shit came up. Anger came up, Um, missing them, like really missing them, even though we haven't spoken in years, it's all resolved. I don't feel like I've gone through the whole forgiveness frame. I don't feel bound to them energetically in any way, shape or form anymore. I'm happy that they've moved on. I've moved on, it's resolved, it's complete. And then, I walked past someone who smelt just like them and all of this shit came up. So here I am, right, yesterday. All of my insecurities have been triggered. All of my grief has been triggered. And some shit that I didn't even know about my ex has been triggered. And I felt quite agitated, if I'm going to be completely honest. Didn't feel fucking good, man. It did not feel good. And... What do we do when we don't feel good? We think, how can I feel better? So my 
initial response was to go through the checklist of all the things that I could do to make myself feel better. Now, the first thing was I could have an alcoholic drink. Now, I haven't had an alcoholic drink in two and a half years because I'm an alcoholic. So I put that one down very fucking quickly. Then I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll eat some food. Maybe I need to eat my feelings. And then I decided that that wasn't going to be a useful strategy for me either. Then I thought, okay, well, maybe you should just call up some friends and have a big Zoom call and distract yourself. And I was like, hang on a minute, Emily. You know better than this, my love. And this is actually something that grief has taught me which is um, sometimes you've just got to surrender. And sometimes you've just got to go, whatever is coming up for me right now, I have got a choice of what I do with this stuff that's coming up. I either let it out and so transcend it, transmute it, or I shovel it back down because I don't want to have to deal with it and so it's never going to fucking leave me. I'll just continue to carry it into the day tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. And sure, it might be dumbed. Sure, it might be dulled. Sure, it might be muffled, but it's still going to be fucking there. And so I sat on the floor and I didn't even like have this massive cry out. I just sat on the floor and I felt it all. And I bowed down in front of it and I put my forehead to the ground and I let it have me. And one of the ways that I can do that, because the fear is, well, if I'm feeling all this feeling, what if I stay in this feeling? What if it never leaves me? What if I'm this person now for life? What if I'm always gonna be insecure? Like we wanna move away. We're like, I don't wanna be that person. I don't wanna feel that thing. Whereas actually when we turn towards it and take ownership of it, we kind of weirdly put ourselves in control of it while we allow it. So the analogy that I used in the live yesterday was imagine that you've got a toddler and sometimes it's not appropriate for that toddler to have a tantrum, right? Socially, in the wider social context, you're like, not now, man, not now. You are not having that tantrum now. I'm going to distract you. I'm going to bribe you. I'm going to, you know, pay you with chocolate. Come on, move away, move away. And then sometimes you're like, do you know what? You're right. You need a tantrum, little child. You need to have a full-on angry screaming fists to the floor moment and you're two and you're allowed to have that and so you take ownership if you like of the of the toddler's tantrum you create the space a safe space for that toddler to express themselves and you sit there and you wait it out and you let it happen and even though you're not in control of the toddler, you are in control of the situation. And that's how I kind of look at those crunchy bits of emotion that I sometimes need to get out. I'm like, all right, come on, out you come. Have your moment, have your time. I am in control of you. I own my emotion. My emotion doesn't own me. I created my emotion. It is of my creation not the other way around. My emotion didn't come and find me. I created that emotion. And so in the same way that you created your child and you want the best for your child and you know that sometimes the best for your child is to allow it to express itself through anger and tears and a tantrum and I'm not getting what I want and it's not fair and life's not fair and you know, and you know it's going to cry itself out. So you hold space for him or her. And so that's what I did for myself yesterday. I held space for myself to have this kind of like emotional tantrum. And these are the lessons that came 
in the wake of that tantrum. If, like me, you love reading cool stuff, listening to interesting interviews, and hearing funny, quirky stories that feel really relatable, then sign up for my famous Friday emails. They're jam-packed with awesomeness, and if you sign up and you're not into it, you can always unsubscribe. Link in the show notes, and I look forward to being in your inbox on Friday. It's Friday! The first is that healing isn't linear. We have memories and triggers and hormones, <laughs> and we are more complex than, oh, well, I wrote my ex a letter and got rid of all of her clothes and then stopped following him on social media, and so now I should be complete with that. It doesn't work that way. You know, it's not, oh, my mum died three and a half years ago, so I shouldn't miss her anymore. I shouldn't have these weird feelings of grief anymore. I shouldn't have this inexplicable feeling of not being quite as tethered to the earth anymore. It doesn't work like that. You don't say, well, I dealt with that belief last year. And I thought I dealt with that insecurity a year before that. And it doesn't work like that. It comes and it goes, it ebbs and it flows. And we don't always know why, but we can't shame ourselves for when stuff comes up, it comes up. And then sometimes it comes up again. And then sometimes you're like, oh, I forgot that that was even a thing. And here it is coming back again. And the more that we try and resist it or shame ourselves for having it, the stronger a grip it will have on us. So that was my first lesson yesterday. Healing is not linear. The second was that there is such a power in surrender. Like I wanted to do everything that I could to move away from how I was feeling yesterday. And the only way that I, I knew, I knew the only way was to do the counterintuitive thing and to move towards how I was feeling and to allow that emotion to come out. And there are all sorts of ways that you can do that. I literally sat on the floor and stared in front of me and allowed myself to hear what those insecurities were saying. I know I'm strong enough not to believe them, but I had to hear them out. And I cried because I thought about my mum. And then I had these like weird, angry thoughts towards my ex. And then afterwards it was done. Did a little bit of journaling around it. And then I went back outside and had, without the dog on my own and had a really brisk walk without music, without any other, and just me and my own thoughts. And I had a really quick brisk walk around by the ocean and then came back again. And I was complete with it then. But if I had continued to try and avoid those feelings, they would have just followed me around and followed me around and followed me around. So surrender to them. There's such a power in surrender. Surrender isn't giving up. Surrender isn't giving in. Surrender is letting go. The third thing that I learned is patience. You know, patience is the name of the game. And quite often when people join the hub in the first couple of the weeks, they're like, why hasn't my entire life changed, Emily? And I'm like, because it takes time. Yeah, we have to be so patient with ourselves. You know, there isn't an end date. There isn't even an end goal. I was watching Alexi Panos do a little thing on one of her Insta stories the other day. It was like a recording of a keynote that she had done. She was talking about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and how, you know, you get to the top and the air is so thin up there that you have to breathe really slowly and you, you can't exert much energy. And you can really, you can only spend three to five minutes at the top before you have to start your descent because the air is so thin. And she was standing there and she was taking her photo at the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. And she thought to herself, it took me five days to get here. And I've got three minutes at the top. And 
you know, it really is like if you are working for the destination, you will have very short lived feeling of elation. And when you begin to realize that it is in the five day journey that takes you to the three minutes, it is in the five day journey where all of your learnings occur, all of your experiences occur, all of your memories are made, then you find this kind of well of patience with yourself. You're like, okay, this is part of the process. This is a step that I need to take. This is getting me nearer to the top, but it's not about being at the top. It's about how I rock out on the way up there. The fourth thing is that growth really takes time and it sometimes involves regression. Sometimes we take a couple of steps back and we don't talk about that much in the personal development world. It's like, you know, you go further and then the next day you get better and then the next day you get stronger and then the next day. And sometimes, I mean, I see that at the gym. You know, sometimes I work, I go for a run, right? Let's, because no one's going to the gym at the moment. Well, not here in Melbourne anyway, because we're in the middle of lockdown. Still, it's been like 4,529 fucking years or something. But anyway, I don't remember what a gym looks like anymore, but I do quite a lot of running. And sometimes I will put my runners on and I'll be like, I'm just going to do a casual 5K. And I get to the end of the 5K. I'm like, fuck that noise. I'm doing another five. And I am like, bloody forest gump. I just don't bloody stop. And it feels amazing. And I feel strong and it feels great. And then other times I'll put my runners on and I'll be like, right, I'm just going to run a casual 5K. And I'll get to three and a half K. I'm like, well, I'm going to vomit on myself. I'm walking home. And I don't know why some days I have more energy and why some days I feel stronger and why some days it feels easier and why some days it just doesn't. But I don't berate, I don't feel like I'm going back because some days I can only run three and a half days and other days I can run 10. So understand that, you know, this process of learning about who you are, sometimes you need to take a couple of steps back. And that doesn't mean you're failing. It doesn't mean you're getting it wrong. It doesn't mean you haven't gotten over your ex yet. It doesn't mean that you should be further along in your grief or you should have sorted out all that. It doesn't mean that. It's just that some shit needed to come out. Like get it out, right? Isn't it better that it comes up and that it comes out? And sometimes a bit like grief, it just needs to piggyback on something else so that it can come out excuse me, it needs to piggyback on something else so it can come out. <clears throat> like my ex stuff needed to come out. It doesn't make any sense, but it needed to come out. And so it found a way through my insecurity, through my grief, it piggybacked and it came out yesterday and now I'm free of it. I'm not, I'm not gonna look at it as regression. I'm gonna look at it as progression. Then the last thing, the fifth thing is that the work never ends. And again, it's like, you know, you can't wish away your five days to the top because you're only going to spend three minutes at the top of the mountain. So one of the reasons that I designed the hub, the way that I designed the hub was so that people can stay forever and not because the hub doesn't work, but because the hub does work. So when you initially join the hub, you pay for the first six months. And then after that, you go on to a very low monthly membership and you still get 100% access, access to me live every week, access to the hot seat coaching sessions if you want to be coached by me, access to all of the content, all of the updates, all of the live events, all of it for a very low monthly membership fee. Because I understand that while you go through that first relatively intensive six months and you will 
have huge revelations about yourself. You'll see huge changes in your manifestation. You'll change your relationship with money. You'll change the relationship with the people around you. You'll change the relationship with yourself. You'll change the relationship with your business, with your clients, with your family, with your loved ones. It's fucking phenomenal. But after that six months, you're not fixed. No one's ever fixed. We're always growing and life is always throwing new things at us and we're always being challenged and we think that we've dealt with an insecurity and then it comes up in a different way, in a different context in a few years time or in a couple of months time and grief never goes away and all of a sudden your ex is back in your mind and you're like, I thought I dealt with that. Like the work never ends. And so the hub is designed for you to stay in the work for as long as you like. And when people do leave the hub, and they don't do it very often, but when they do, unless they say to me, I'm leaving the hub because I'm going to work with another practitioner or I'm joining a different course or I found this spiritual practice which I'm going to really involve myself in and I've got a mentor through that practice. Like if they're like, I'm just going to go out on my own. My first thought is you can't do life on your own. You need to be in a group of people who will help you and support you and nurture you and love you because more punches are coming. They, they just are. And so if someone leaves because they're going on to a different mentor, awesome, rock on. I completely get that. But if they're leaving to do it on their own, I very gently and kindly say, please don't do it on your own because shit will come up again and you will always need to come back to these tools. You know, they're not one hit wonders. So those were my lessons yesterday on the back of my air quotes, bad day. I'm going to run through them again. Number one, healing is not linear. Number two, surrender to your feelings in the appropriate context and time. Number three, because the pain is always in the resistance of them. Number three, exercise patience. Residual stuff will come up and that is a good thing. Number four, growth takes time and sometimes it takes regression. You need to take a couple of steps back sometimes to propel yourself forward. And number five, the work never ends. I'm just going to jump into the questions. I'm excited for the safe space of the hub. Yes. Join the hub. Join the hub. Uh, you rock M, go M. Thank you. I'm loving this. Awesome. Yes, I love that, Elizabeth. Grief is a building emotion. It builds on itself and other emotions. Yeah, so true. I see it as like a little like ninja emotion that like just jumps on the back of another emotion. It's like, woohoo, coming to get you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks. Um, yes, that's so true. Grief doesn't get better, but you do get better at identifying it. Yeah, that's very true. Jesus, you make so much sense. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you. You're awesome. You're a bloody legend too. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to put it. You had a great day of cleansing and learning. Yes, absolutely. And I am more powerful as a result of that. Whereas if I had had a day of ignoring and stuffing down and shame, then I would be a weaker version of me today as a result. That's it for today's episode. I trust you loved it. And remember, you can join me as I record these episodes live on Thursday mornings. All of the details are in the show notes. If you love this episode, I'd really appreciate you sharing it with a mate or on your socials. Please tag me, Emily underscore that crazy thing called life. You can also share it through Spotify. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review. It really helps other people find this valuable content. 
And as always, nothing beats a good bit of word of mouth, does it? So you let Barbara down the road know that she should have a little listen to this episode. If you're interested in joining the Unashamedly Human Hub, my global coaching community, check out the link in the show notes. See you in the next episode and keep being brave.